Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Welcome to our YouTube channel or our podcast. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Tyler and I serve as our online campus pastor. And uh, if you're joining us for The Ridge Online, we are actually in the middle of a series that we love to do in the summer called At The Movies. At The Movies is a time where we actually take uh, biblical truths and we illustrate them with popular movies. Now, due to copyright laws, we actually cannot show those on our YouTube channel or put them on demand, which means we can't put them here or on our podcast like we do most weekends. And so I want to invite you to actually get the full at the movies experience by joining us at our physical location in Greenfield, or you can actually catch those messages by going to our website and uh, catch the stream services when they are live. You can get all of the details for that on our website, theridgecc.com. But one of the things we wanted to do for our YouTube channel and podcast listeners is to give you some extra content to enjoy as we go through the At The Movie series, which is why we've been going through this series called Strange Things, where we're talking about these strange things that we all have questions about. And we've talked about things like, why are we fascinated with stories like this? Uh, what is up with the unseen world and how does that impact our world today? And next week, we are actually going to hear from uh, John Burke, who wrote the book, Imagine Heaven, who actually interviewed thousands of people related to their near-death experiences and what happens after we die. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you'll be notified when that is available. But today, we are going to actually hear from our lead pastor, Mark, who is going to help us answer the question, hey, are we living in the end times? Go ahead and check this out. Years ago, I was driving to work when the check engine light in my car came on. Now, my car was older at the time, and I can't fix anything. So when the light came on, I'm thinking, well, now I'm going to have to spend a bunch of money that I don't have. So I first did what I always do when it goes off, ignored it. And surprisingly, that didn't help. Well, then I did something I had never done before. I prayed that it would turn off. Now, it wasn't really a serious prayer. It was kind of this half-hearted Hail Mary-like prayer. It was like, okay, God, you know, heal my car. And the strangest thing happened. It did. Now, did God heal my car? I don't know but I never had to take it in. Speaking of strange things, over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Strange Things where we've been looking at some strange things that we don't fully understand. We kicked it off by looking at our fascination with stories that feature Christ figures or saviors. And then last week, we talked about the unseen world and our unseen enemy. And anytime we talk about anything unseen, there's just something strange about that to all of us. Now today, We're going to look at a question that comes up a lot, whether you're a religious person or not. Are we living in the end times? There's a fascination with this question. I mean, I want you to think about this. Think about all the TV shows and movies that feature some type of apocalypse theme. Maybe it's the the zombie apocalypse in The Walking Dead or World War Z. Then there are other movies that show the end of times through nature. I mean, movies like 2012, Armageddon, and The Day the Earth Stood Still. But don't forget San Andreas, which taught us that we don't need Jesus to save us from the end times when we have the rock. I think there's something in all of us 
that looks at all the just horrible stuff going on in our world. And we wonder, what does this all mean? I mean, recently we had a global pandemic. We have mass shootings happening on, on a regular basis. We have mental health related illnesses at an all time high. We have the rise of, of terrorist attacks. And then you have an increase in natural disasters like hurricanes and typhoons. And they're just leveling damage throughout our world. I mean, it just feels like our world is spinning out of control. And some look at these events and then we look at the Bible and we wonder, is there a connection here? Are we living in the end times? Here's what I think we, we really want to know. What time is it? You know, wouldn't it be great if we had some sort of doomsday clock? And if the end is like at 12, is it 1157? Because if it's 1157, I might do things differently than if, if it's like 1110, because I will have more time. Now, since this is such a serious topic, I thought you might want to hear a story about two pastors. Reverend John and Reverend Ollie had churches across the street from each other. Reverend John put up a sign that said, turn yourself around before it's too late. Reverend Ollie put a sign in front of his church that said, the end is near. Uh, about shortly after that, a carload of kids just sped by those churches and the kids rolled down the windows they were driving by and they started yelling, you religious freaks, you're crazy, you're nuts. And they just sped off. Well, all of a sudden, as they went around the corner, you could just hear the tires screech and splash. And Reverend John and Reverend Ollie looked at each other and they said, should we have just said caution, bridges out? Now, I hope I'm not the only one that thought that was funny because I actually thought that was kind of funny. But in all seriousness, here's the journey that we're going to go on today. We're going to look at the question, are we living in the end times? And if we are, what does that mean for us? And as we do this, I'm just going to throw a lot of different verses at you, so I need you to buckle up. Now, I'm going to start in the New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew, actually, chapter 24. Jesus is sitting in, on the Mount of Olives, which is his one of his favorite places. He would often go there to often go to their pray. And so it's here that the disciples asked him, are we living in the end times? Here's how Matthew records it. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The entire chapter of Matthew 24 is about Jesus's take on the end of times. Some of what he's describing is actually the end of the world. Some of it, though, is describing the end of Jerusalem, which actually happens several years after Matthew wrote this. And so Jesus gives us this explanation of what it will look like when the end happens, but he doesn't say when. In fact, Jesus never says when. He just tells us what it'll look like. So if you're asking, are we living in the end times? The most honest answer I can give you is, I really don't know, but we could be. From my perspective, as best as I understand the Bible, it seems to me that all the signs of scripture are fulfilled and anytime God wants to send Jesus back, it's ready to happen. But I say that with one caveat. Every generation throughout history has thought that. So why would our generation be any different? Well, there are some unique indications that we may be near the end times. Let me just quickly give you three of them. One indication is the regathering of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. There are passages in the Old Testament, which if you don't know much about the Bible, the Old Testament is the part of the Bible before Jesus that in the Old Testament that indicate that when history is over, 
the Jewish people will look back and they will no longer refer to God as the one who delivered them from Egyptian captivity, but instead as the one who restored and regathered them back to the land he gave their forefathers. In 1900, there were about 40,000 Jews throughout the land of Palestine. After World War II, there were about a half a million. Today, there are over 6.3 million. And they've come from Europe and Russia and from America and Ethiopia. And so one indication is that there's this regathering of Jewish people to the land of Israel. Another indication is the reclamation of the land of Israel. Over the centuries, the land of Israel just became desolate and barren, just like Jesus said what happened in Matthew 24. Well, once again, back in 1900, there were only 17,000 trees left because the Turks who had controlled the land for a time, they taxed the people actually based on the number of trees they had. And so the people figured out a very simple tax reduction method. Get an ax and start slashing your trees down. So in 1900, there were 17,000 trees. Today, there are over 450 million trees. And this is in fulfillment of what the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel said. He said this, They will say, This land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. So the prediction is that the land of Israel will go from desolate to thriving, as we are now seeing. Third and final indication is the rebirth of Israel as a nation, which we saw in 1948. Once again, in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, there are prophecies that God would bring the people of Israel back to life and back to the land of Israel. Around 70 AD, Israel was considered dead when the Romans leveled Jerusalem, just as Jesus said would happen. And the Jewish people were scattered all over the known world for the next 18 centuries. But on May 14, 1948, just three years after World War II and the Holocaust, a handful of Jewish people suddenly declared that they're a nation again after 1900 years. Now, many people, they actually connect this event with what Jesus said in Matthew 24 once again when he said this. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. You know, some speculate that this fig tree that Jesus is referring to is actually the nation of Israel. And here's their speculation. Psalm 90 says that the average life is about 70 to 80 years. And if you add 70 to 80 years to 1948, here's what you get. 2018 to 2028. And so their conclusion Here's the time. It's about 1157. So are we living in the end times? I don't know, maybe. The disciples thought so. Peter, he wrote about it quite extensively. Uh, here, here's what he said. He said, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. When the end is near, according to Peter, people are going to say, hey, if it feels good, just do it. Do whatever you want to do. Hey, I'm not going to let God, the Bible, or anyone else tell me how to live my life. Does this sound anything like what we're seeing today? Then Peter says, hey, they will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. 
you know, Peter said, people are going to say, hey, you've been talking about this return of Jesus for 2,000 years. I mean, where is he? He's not coming back. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And so Peter is reminding us about the creation of the world, that God just picked a day and said, let there be, and he made the world. By these waters, also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And so God picked another day and said, it's time. And then he wiped out the entire world with a flood, and only a few were spared. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destructive destruction of the ungodly. You see, God promised he wouldn't wipe out the world again by water. He's going to pick another day. We call it the end of the world today. And it's like, okay, Peter, that's great. Is that going to happen soon? Well, here's what Peter says. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. I think this is Peter's way of saying, hey, okay, would you just slow down a bit? Because God doesn't even live in time. You see, you, th you think he's slow, but he doesn't see it the same that we do. You see, a, a thousand years is like a day to him. So it's been just over two days since Jesus rose from the dead in God's view of time. And then Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish. And that word perish, that just means anyone to be separated from, separated from him, but everyone to come to repentance. Here's how I like to picture this verse. It's like God the Father is, is sitting in heaven with Jesus at his, at his right hand. And he says to Jesus, okay, it's time. Go get my people, I've seen enough. And Jesus is like, all right, man, finally, that's Tom Brady, let's go. And just as he's ready to go, God the Father says, whoa, 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 hey, hey, come back, come back, come back, Never mind." I see a few more people who want to connect with us. And I love this image because I just love that about God. That the reason it's taking so long for him to come back is that he doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. He wants everyone to be connected to him. And for that to happen in the next life, it has to happen in this life. Now, some of you, you still want to know, when is the date? When is it going to happen? Well, Peter tells us at least somewhat. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare, literally exposed. A thief doesn't call or text you in advance and tell you to have your money and jewelry ready for when he breaks into your house later. I mean, I wish that would happen, but it doesn't. But we never know when a thief comes in the same way. None of us will know exactly when the end is, is here. Now, I know there's a lot of people, especially pastors, church people, you hear about this, who just love to make predictions about when the world will end. I mean, you go on YouTube and you'll find just some crazy stuff. Don't do it, but you'll find some crazy stuff. I mean, you'll hear pastors or people and they'll say, you know, I was reading the Bible or God showed me this and God told me, hey, it's going to end on this day and such and such day. Listen, if you hear someone say that, if they say, I know, or God told me, tune them out. Jesus didn't even know the when. And I don't think God's going to tell you or me or anyone else 
before he tells Jesus. Here's the, here's the big idea I, I think Peter's trying to get at. You don't really need to know what the time is, but you need to know what to do with the time that you have left. Because here's what's true of all of us. Whether you know we're, we're living in the last days or not, we don't know that, but here's what we do know. We're living in our last days. A friend of mine, a friend of mine he once told me this. He says, each day is a day closer to your last day. Now, well, that's not very uplifting, okay? He's right. And so Peter is saying in light of this, be aware of what time it is, but don't worry about what time it is. Instead, be ready to make the most of the time you have left. A little later, Peter brings up this topic again, and he gives us four thoughts on how to make the most of the time we have. And, and these thoughts, when you just kind of see them through uh, the filter of what he's saying, they're so helpful to us. Because whether or not these are the end times, once again, there are end times. Four thoughts. Here's what Peter says. He says, the end of all things is near. In other words, hey, we're one day closer. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So Peter's first thought, I need to think clearly. I mean, that's what sober-minded means. It means to think with a clear mind. Uh, a few years ago, I parked my car under a tree, and I knew better. And, uh, and when I went to leave, guess what? My car was just covered with all this, this junk from the tree, including my front window, which was so coated with that stuff that I couldn't see clear enough to drive. And so, you know, what do I do? I do what you've probably done if you had this happen. You, you hit the button that releases the windshield fluid, and then, you know, the windshield wipers then clean it off with the fluid, and then what happens? You know, it cleaned it off to the point where then I could now see clearly again to drive. And Peter says this. He says, be intentional about keeping your mind from getting all this junk on it so you can't think with clarity. Here's one way you can tell that you, we're not sober-minded. We live our lives with this perspective that this life right here is all there is. That the temporary is actually seen as the eternal. You know, we stop seeing the bigger picture. You see, to be of sober mind is to live in the reality that this isn't all there is. That there's more to life than just this life. That someday every single one of us is going to die. And we're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account to Him of, of how and what we did with our lives. A recent study showed that 62% of Americans believe that Jesus is actually going to come back again. But check this out. But less than 8% are actively following him. Someone who's not thinking clearly, they say, yeah, I believe he's coming back. Okay, well, what does that mean for you? Well, I don't know. I don't care. Someone who's thinking clearly. I believe Jesus is coming back. And you know what? I want to be found ready because I want to receive what he has for me in the next life. Well, Peter then gives us another thought. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Second thought, I need to focus on my relationships. Now, why relationships? Well, because people are the only thing that, that you see on earth that you're going to see in heaven. Because people are the only thing that lasts forever. You know, everything else that, that we think is so important, it's going to be burned except for people. I want you to imagine this. Imagine if you knew you were terminally ill and this was your last day. 
Who do you want at your bedside? Now, I bet it's not your bank account, your new car or boat or cabin, golf clubs, your cell phone, computer or collectibles. None of that stuff will even matter to you at that time. You will want what I will want. The people you love the most with you. You know, another way that we know that we're thinking clearly, going back to the first thought, is that we live our lives for people because people are all that matters. Third thought is found in what Peter says next. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. So here's the third, the third thought. I need to make a difference with my life. When God created you, he created you with the ability to do something that'll make a difference with the gifts or gifts he has given you. And your gift's purpose isn't just to make money, have a job, build a brand, have a career, even though that might be part of it, it it's a small part of it. Your real gift is to use it for the sake of others so you can make a difference in their lives. One of the things I, I love about our church is that many of you are doing just that. You know, some of you, you're great with technology and you're serving on our online team. I mean, it's why we can do this, what we're doing right now. You know, others of you, you're serving on our tech team so that we can pull this off in person. You're what Peter calls a faithful steward of God's grace. You know, others of you, you have a gift to work with kids or students. I mean, you hold babies or you spend time with elementary kids or you teach or you lead a student small group or you mentor kids. You're what Peter calls a faithful steward of God's grace. And you're making a difference in the lives of what we call the critical generation. Others of you, you know, you have musical gifts or you have the gift to start businesses or you have the gift to lead small groups of people and you're using those gifts to advance God's mission forward in our community. Once again, you are what Peter calls a faithful steward of God's grace. You aren't just a believer in Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus. And as a result, you're a difference maker. Let me just say, if you're not currently using your gift or gifts to serve on a team, I want you to sign up for the next after party where you're gonna actually learn more about what it means and where to best use your gift or gifts. When I think about these first three thoughts that Peter wants us to keep in the forefront of our mind, I think about this lady named Diane. When we were in the process of launching our Oak Creek campus, Diane had signed up to be on the launch team. And Diane, unfortunately, had leukemia and she didn't have very long to live but she just loved Jesus and she wanted to do everything she could to help get the Oak Creek campus uh, up and running. So she spent the little time that she had left attending launch team meetings and she's attended those launch team meetings. I mean, she's inviting everyone that she knows to, to these, these meetings. Well, unfortunately, Diane ended up getting very sick at the end of the summer and the campus was going to launch in, in the early fall. So her prayer was that God would let her see the launch of the campus. Well, the campus launched October 1st and Diane passed away on October 5th. And fortunately, she was too sick to attend the opening services. But there were people there and there were people who had taken steps to follow Jesus because of how Diane lived her life. You see, she lived it sober-mindedly. She clearly understood that this life is temporary and she focused on people because people are all that matters. And not only that, but she lived a life that mattered. Now, what's most important 
and this is the reality of all of us, what's most important is what we do with the time we have left because we don't know how much time we have left. I want to close with one last thought. It's our fourth thought. And it's this, I need to receive God's grace. You know, the most important question isn't, are we living in the end times? The most important question is, have you made a decision to follow Jesus with your life? Because if you're thinking clearly, you know that you have sinned against God. I mean, we all have. And there's nothing you can do to make up for that sin. I mean, you can't, you can't do enough good. You can't be religious enough. You can't be smart enough. There's nothing you can do. And the good news is, is that only God can make a way for you to be made right with him. And he did by sending his son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And it's when we trust in Jesus and what he's done, we receive grace and forgiveness from God. But it doesn't stop there. We then discover the most important relationship, the one we were all made for a relationship with Jesus, and it's through him we get to discover that we were made to make a true difference with our lives. And so if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and receive his grace and forgiveness in your life, I'm just going to lead you through a prayer to do that now. So will you pray with me, Father? Um, I believe that you did send Jesus and uh, that he is your son and that he did die for my sins. And I'm thankful that he did because there's nothing I can do to, to make, make right with my sins, make up for my sins, nothing. And so I thank you that you love me so enough that you took action and initiative and you sent your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sin and that he rose from the dead. And because he did, someday I will too. And so I make a decision today to follow Jesus with my life for him to be my savior, but not just that, but to be the leader of my life. And today, I'm deciding to follow him with my life. Thank you, God, for just that great news that I don't know what the end is or when the end is going to happen, but I do know it's through Jesus. I can be forgiven. I can have purpose and I can be a part of something bigger than myself because it's something that you're a part of. And I thank you for that. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you just made the decision to follow Jesus, we are so excited for you as you take this step to become someone who not only just follows Jesus, but actually on this journey of following him, you'll become someone who loves, looks, and lives like Jesus. And we want to help you with that. And the way that we can help you with that is if you would actually just text the word Jesus to our phone number that you see below me, that's 414-509-0339. When you text Jesus to that phone number, here's what's going to happen. We're going to text you back over the next two weeks uh, some daily readings or videos that you can watch to help you get started on this journey to follow Jesus. And uh, actually, towards the end of those two weeks, we'll have one of our team members just reach out to you to see if you have any questions and to help you with your next step after that. We'll stop after those two weeks. We won't spam you. We just want to help you on this journey to follow Jesus. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us here today on our YouTube channel or is on our podcast, wherever you're joining us. We're glad that you are. Make sure you subscribe to uh, the, wherever you're listening or subscribe to this channel so you'll be notified when we are live next week and we also have other content available. Hey, thanks again for joining us. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.